Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Paul says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed in the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The the main idea of our passage today really um, is is that that God would would give the people of Thessalonica and ultimately give us as well just kind of a glimpse into future happenings and and what will take place in the future um, so that we can live today with hope, so that we can live with an expectation uh, here in this present world. Uh, As we've been looking at 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, we see this over and over again that that was Paul's uh, really just just heart in writing to them. He had taught them many things, uh, but he now wanted to be able to remind them there was this confusion about uh, end times and the coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord. Of course, we saw in 1st Thessalonians how they were kind of expecting it to happen at any moment. So they just were kind of deserting their workplace and their responsibilities and, and really ultimately were, were had a tendency to kind of be a poor testimony in their community because of uh, that expectancy. And so Paul was encouraging them to, to keep living on, to keep doing, uh, being a witness in the world and keep keep yourself uh, in a way that would point to Christ and not detract from, from uh, walking from a belief in Christ and bringing others to Christ as well. And now as he's writing the second letter, he's having to kind of refute some things. Someone had uh, someone else had written a letter to the church here and kind of had even uh, said some things that were in contradiction to Paul's teaching and even claimed to be Paul. I guess somebody you know kind of figured out that Paul was writing letters back to churches and someone tried to kind of um, you know pretend to be him uh, in order to speak to spread false doctrine. And so Paul's having to address that, and that's a lot of what this book of Second Thessalonians is. He's having to address. Uh, this this false teaching that had come in through the way of this deceiver, and uh, and in this he is reminding them of the things that he had taught them. He's he's kind of bringing back to remembrance. Man, that's so important that we all be reminded regularly of the teachings of God's word. It's it's easy for us to kind of say, well, I've read that before, I've heard that before, but there are just certain things that we need to hear over and over and over again. And so Paul is taking this opportunity to to really share with them and remind them of some of the things that that he had taught them. And 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 as we we'll, we'll, as we kind of break down this. Passage today, we're going to see 
that um, that he had probably there's there's some things here that he probably had given them a little more insight uh, into some things in per, when he was speaking to them in person, and so we're kind of left to have to kind of figure some of this out as kind of observers looking into the scene. Um, of course, at the same time, we know that God gave us through His Word exactly what He wants us to know and wants us to have, um, and so it, it's important that we that we recognize that as well. And so instead of these the the people at Thessalonica walking in fear. Paul wanted these believers to stand firm in the truth of God's word, to stand firm in the things that they had been taught. Uh, the reality is Satan has always desired to deceive mankind. He's always trying to thwart God's purposes, to, to get in the way of God's plans, and, and to cause us to follow after false teaching and false doctrine and things that are that are contrary to God's word and to the plans that God has for us. And this is, again, why it is so important that we be people of the word, that we constantly go back to the word. Don't just take what I say, what anyone else here uh, at Lifeline says, what anyone says in any other context. If it ever contradicts God's word, reject what the man says and accept God's word. We've got to walk in the truth of his word. And so we've got to always come back to that. The devil wants to exploit our weaknesses. He wants to, um, he, he sees fear in us. He sees division in us. And he wants to jump on that and attack that. Because again, those are the, the, the tactics that he, used to, he uses to try to uh, hinder and stop the, the plan that God has for our lives and ultimately for the gospel to, to reach the world. The devil wants us to wants to blind us uh, to God's truth, and so when we read this passage, we we sense Paul's love for these people. We've seen it over and over again through both of these books. Uh, we sense his desire for them to be at peace. Right? He doesn't want them to have this this constant sense of angst about them and and fear and wondering what's going to happen next. And and am I going to make this? Am I missing this? What's going on here? What's going to happen to me? He wants them to be at peace to not walk in fear. He doesn't want them to be troubled. And ultimately, he doesn't want them to be deceived. Uh, he wants them. He wants to reassure them of God's power in their life, of God's presence in their life, and ultimately of God's sovereign control of their lives and of this world in which we live. Now, it's important to note as we as we dive into and kind of break down these verses that, that there are certainly some interpretive challenges in this, in this passage. Um, as is the case a lot of times when we're kind of trying to figure out and discern end time prophecy and, and this, this, this whole study of eschatology. When studying eschatology and studying end times, uh, there's a lot of room for interpretation. There are a lot of things that, that are not crystal clear for us. And, and I think that's part of God's design to cause us to study deep into these things and to look at these things and to, and, and to, and to really, uh, again, he, he doesn't always just lay everything out for us in the future because sometimes if we had everything laid out for us, it would affect the way that we walk and the way that we live. And so it's, it's important, I think, that we recognize this. Um, there are good people that have differing views on the, on the timing of the events to come. Uh, on, and there's different methods of interpretation. There's some that, you know, interpret things with a little more of an allegorical uh, take on them and some a little more literal. And so it's important to, to recognize that there are good people that, that do have differing views. Um, I, you know, my interpretation, the best that I can figure out and see and the things that that I perceive to be the way that God is laying them out for us um, is I believe that the next event that we're going to see, the next major event in the uh, eschatological schedule of things happening is the, is the rapture of the church. I believe that uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 
Lord is speaking of a time where the church will be called up. Uh, we'll meet the Lord together in the air, those that are followers of Christ. Uh, at sometime after that, don't know that it will be immediate, but sometime after that rapture, uh, I believe that there will be this seven-year tribulation. Uh, I think it's spoken of in, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel chapter 9, specifically giving the details of those of those 70 weeks that uh, that are periods of, of years. Um, I think even, even the references that Jesus made in Matthew 24 uh, are, are kind of speaking to, to some of these things and some of the things that are happening there uh, during this time of tribulation. At the end of that seven-year tribulation, uh, we will see the physical return of Jesus Christ with his bride, with his church, uh, here to the earth. And so um, in today's passage, Paul is kind of describing the happenings that are ultimately taking place during this time of tribulation, during this season that is leading up to the physical return of Christ to the earth. Um, I believe that the world is moving full throttle toward this time now. Uh, I think that that we are we are continuing to see things happen that are pointing to this, that are moving toward uh, this time, and we're told to live uh, with a, with that balance of do, being faithful and doing what we're supposed to be doing here on the earth as we wait, but also living with an expectancy for the imminency of Christ, imminent imminent return of Christ. We're we're be living with an expectancy of these things to be set in motion and to and to move forward. But Paul is kind of uh, telling them here that uh, they're, they're to continue to live, but not allow this to cause them to live in fear. And, and so as we, as we move to, toward this, uh, this time when, when I believe the, the church will be removed uh, before this, this full fulfillment of these happenings that are here. Um, but there again, there are others that, that would say that the church is probably going to go through this, this time. And so the church needs to be prepared to live through this season. And, and ultimately, either way, whether you think the church is going to be raptured out or you think the church is going to go through the tribulation, the thing that we have to rest in, we have to look to is we have to be confident that God is sovereign and in his sovereign power, he will preserve his people. In God's sovereign power, whether he uh, pulls us out for a season, whether he takes us through uh, this, this time of great tribulation, God will preserve his people and we can rest in that. So with that in mind, let's kind of walk through the passage here in 2 Thessalonians and uh, let's look at some of the things that we have. We're going to walk through these verses and kind of break some of it down. Uh, and then I want to leave you at the end with three uh, kind of admonitions on what this means to us today and kind of how to, how, what, what are the applications and the ways that we should be living as we look toward and prepare and understand the things that are, that are being said. I'm going to kind of read through this again and kind of make some stops here and there and kind of talk through uh, some of this. Again, starting in, in verse number one. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. Now, again, I believe that that's, uh, that's likely a reference to the same thing that he said there in First Thessalonians 4, uh, where his church is gathered together with him, uh, which then sometime after that launches this whole season uh, that, that's coming right after that. Um, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or spoken word or letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now here again, this is where we talked about just a moment ago. There has been this letter that has been written. There's this teaching that has gone out to these people and this letter that has been sent to them. Um, and, and we see that it even, he, someone's even kind of trying to pretend to be Paul, but has written this letter and basically has told this church, told these people that they've already missed the coming of the Lord. They've already missed the day of the Lord. Um, that they, because of, what I don't know what reason he gives, he doesn't really tell that. But he, the, this teaching is being going forth 
that they've already, that they've missed, missed the rapture, missed the happenings. And now the day of the Lord is ushered in and, and they're just, and they're just left behind is basically what is being kind of, kind of told to them here. And, and so this has caused a great deal of fear, a great deal of angst within them and they're struggling. And, and Paul is saying, man, that's not the design. Don't be shaken. Don't be troubled. Um, don't, don't let the word of man rob you of your joy and peace. But again, remember the things that you're taught. Verse three here, he says, he says, don't be deceived. You know the truth, walk in the truth. And so he, again, is kind of setting the stage for the, the things that he's going to be teaching. He's going to kind of now show them these are things that have to happen as a part of this process uh, of leading up to the Lord's return. Verse three, let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. Now he's going to describe this man who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So who is this man? He's describing this man of lawlessness. We, of course, see this, this spirit of lawlessness, and we see these, this, this wickedness that's happening in us, and we hear this being thought of as this time of apostasy uh, that we certainly are living in, but we know it's going to get just keep ranching up, getting worse and worse, and, and we have seen that historically, and we have seen this world just spinning, seem to be spinning out of control. But he speaks specifically of this man of lawlessness. lawlessness. I think this is the same individual, the same person that is spoken of by John and other places uh, as this Antichrist. Uh, he says there that in verse four, that this, this man of lawlessness will set himself up as a God. He will set himself ultimately as he, as proclaiming to be God, trying to take the rightful place of God. Um, he speaks of this idea of him proclaiming himself to be God and taking God's seat in the temple of God. So, so there's going to come the time, and we, and we know, again, just from other writings, and we, we have limited perspective here, but as we see, there's this time where someone will rise to a place of prominence. Um, there will be a, a time where this person will proclaim peace, and everybody will just, just, just run to this individual. But then ultimately, there's going to come a time where he is going to set himself up and desire to be worshipped as God, and ultimately to desecrate the temple of God that, um, that, that will be in this time, that will, he will ultimately set himself up and try to take the place of God. And I believe this is referring to the same thing uh, that Daniel in Daniel 9, 27 is referring to, uh, that Jesus quoted himself in Matthew 24, verse 15, where Jesus speaks of the, of the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel. I think this is, this is that whole uh, setting. This kind of works together to, to be um, that event that is taking place. And so this, this one, this man of lawlessness is going to try to set himself up and take the place of God. And so, and so Paul now is, is reminding them of the things he says in verse five, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things. So evidently Paul in his time with the church at Thessalonica had taught on these things and kind of laid some of this out for them. And, and so he's like, he's reminding them, don't forget the things that I have taught you and the things that I've already written and the things that I've said. Verse number six, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Now, again, there's a lot of interpretive challenges here. We're trying to figure out a lot of people are, are you know, trying to figure out who is this? What is this restraining? It's spoken of as a what in verse number six, but then as a he in verse number seven. And so people are like, what, what is this? What is this, um, this restraining? He also mentions here this mystery of lawlessness. 
Um, I believe, again, I believe that what he is speaking of with this mystery of lawlessness is this, this kind of moving of the world in this, in this digressive way. Um, it is the, the uh, I think, referred to by John and others as a spirit of the Antichrist. It's this age of apostasy. And again, I think that's the season that we're in right now. I mean, man, you look at the world around us and everything that the world system puts on us and everything that is happening is pointing to everything that is, that is the opposite of who Christ is and what uh, Christ's plan is. And so we see this, this age of apostasy where people are turning away from God's word. People are living, as, as Moses said, doing what is right in their own eyes and living in their own way and the way that makes them happy. And of course, the world system just, just um, continues to propagate that message and continues to, uh, to just validate those desires that you be whoever you want to be. You let your own uh, feelings define who you are. You let your own, uh, your, your own perception, you, you, you speak your own truth over yourself and you claim to be who and what you ever want to be. And, and just this, this wickedness that we see in the, in the world, but this is just going to continue. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I wish there were better news, but it's just going to continue to move this direction until ultimately all of this mystery of lawlessness, all of this spirit of the Antichrist is going to have its its consummation in this one individual, this Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, lawlessness who will stand up and, and make the ultimate uh, apostasy true that he will, he will claim to be God. He will claim to be the one that is there to free everyone, to, 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 to be in charge and be in control. And so we see this just barreling, we're just barreling toward uh, that. But right now, what is keeping us from that ultimate place of, 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 of you know, the world calling out and looking toward this one individual is that there is this restrainer that is happening. Again, he says, calls it a what in verse number six and a he in verse number seven. Uh, again, ultimately, I think that, that ultimately, no matter whether you think this is you know, the devil holding back or the, or, or uh, the working of the church causing it to be held back or whatever. Ultimately, it's because God is sovereign and God is in control. Ultimately, the restrainer is God himself in the person of his Holy Spirit. And so, and so I think Paul is referring here to the Holy Spirit that right now, the Holy Spirit, again, because of God's working and God's plan and because God trying to, to, uh, to bring people to himself and being gracious to us, being gracious to those who are lost, giving them time to, to come to faith in Jesus Christ, the, the, the Holy Spirit is holding back uh, that we've got to remember as powerful as the devil is, he only has the power that is given to him and allowed to him by God himself. God is sovereign. God is in control. God could stop all this right now, but God is working his purposes and his plans. And so he is restraining and holding back us from moving into this full state uh, of apostasy. And so there's going to come a time when, when the Holy Spirit's going to move out of the way and, and this spirit of lawlessness will be fully lived out and will be personified in this man of lawlessness. Uh, many will be blinded, many will be deceived, uh, and will follow after him, will follow him straight to destruction. We move down in verse number eight, though, and we see the, the best part of this. When the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Uh, the reality is God is still in control. Even as he removes the restraint and allows this one to stand up and proclaim himself as God, when Christ returns, this man will be cut off. His time, his, his, his rule will be short-lived. His time will come to an end. And it says, with the breath of his mouth, 
Jesus will take care of him. He will bring he and bring to nothing the periods of his, of his coming. So when Jesus comes, he will bring to nothing. He will devastate everything uh, that this man of lawlessness has tried lawlessness has tried to set up for himself. Christ will defeat him when he returns. Verses nine and ten. Uh, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved. Now, we we say again, why won't people recognize this? Why won't people see this? Well, the reality is many are blinded to the truth and and and, and there are going to be there are going to be signs and wonders. There are going to be some that are going to equate this to the coming of a Messiah. And there's a lot of things that are that are common. Again, uh, just as Christ came on the authority of the Father, Christ came and was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Antichrist will be empowered by Satan, and he will he will he will be literally the antithesis to everything that Christ was and that Christ is. And so there are going to be these signs and wonders that are going to take place. Again, Satan is a powerful foe. And there are going to be these things that are going to happen that are going to cause people to be blinded to the truth and cause people to, to run to this man of lawlessness. Verse number 11, we see, therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Man, this is, a, this is a difficult verse, right? It's, it's hard to think of because we think of God in his mercy and his love and his grace, but he's also a righteous judge. And there comes a time where he will give them over to uh, to their sin, to their their, their rejection of him. Uh, this this carries with it kind of the same idea that it's reminiscent of, of Romans chapter one, uh, when Paul just says that God gives them over to a reprobate mind and they have, they have rejected the Holy Spirit to the point uh, that they are, are going full uh, throttle into this. This, this 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 time of condemnation and destruction. That's ultimately what it says there in verse 12, in order that all that may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Many are going to follow this wicked one. And those who follow that path, those who reject Christ will be condemned in their sin. Man, that's some hard stuff to read, some hard stuff to understand here, and even some hard stuff to take in. Because again, we think, and, and even as Peter said, you know, God is not slack concerning his promises. He is long suffering. He desires that, that many would come to know him. And, and he, and he certainly is, is bringing his called people together to himself. Uh, but man, there just comes a time where God says, you know what? Enough is enough. And it's time uh, to set in motion and to, and to move forward uh, with God's plan and God's agenda. And so Paul is kind of describing these, but, he, but he's writing this to encourage them and let them know um, that those who are in Christ are secure. Those who are in Christ are not do not have to live in fear of these happenings. Uh, if we're in Christ, then, then we will uh, persevere through this and will continue. So as we read this, as we talk about these things, uh, what, what are the implications for us? What's the admonition that, that Paul has given to us and ultimately uh, to the people of Thessalonica and ultimately to us through the Holy Spirit? What are some practical takeaways and some things, some ways that this should affect, understanding these things should affect how we live today? First of all, I think that we must recognize the realities of spiritual warfare. We must recognize the realities of spiritual warfare. Folks, you got to know there is a battle that is raging. Uh, 
There is a battle that is raging in the unseen world. We cannot see it. We see the effects of it. But there is a battle that is raging between good and evil, ultimately between our Lord and the devil. That one that from the beginning has tried to usurp the role of Christ, has tried to usurp the throne of God. And he, there is this battle that is taking place among the angels and the demons and all the different things. And, and, and we can't see it, but we've got to be aware of it. Paul over and over again referenced this. Of course, in Ephesians chapter six, we give clear insight into how that we can engage and be a part of this and how to be prepared and be ready to be able to fight. Uh, But we've got to recognize that there is a battle that is raging. Satan is doing everything that he can to stop God. He wants to thwart the plans and the purposes of God. And he is not going to give up until his final destruction comes, until he is cast into that lake of fire, that eternal lake of fire, that pit. He's going to continue to come against God. He is going to continue to fight the things of God. And we got to recognize even the happenings in this world are a result of the spiritual warfare that is taking place. This world is growing increasingly wicked, but God is greater. He is the restrainer. And Satan only has the power that God allows him to have. So we've got to recognize the realities of spiritual warfare. We've got to make sure that we are engaging the armor of God, that we are being faithful to the things of God, but recognize the realities of spiritual warfare. Number two, the second thing is we must run our race with vigilance and wisdom. We must run our race with vigilance and wisdom. As Paul is sharing these things, he is reminding them and telling them over and over again, you keep doing what you've been taught. You keep doing what God's word says to do. You keep walking in truth. And the same is true for us. As we look toward these end times, and we've got a lot of questions, we've got a lot of uncertainties, there's a lot of things that are not clear. But what is clear is that we must run our race with vigilance and wisdom. God has us here for a purpose and a plan, and we must continue to run forward, uh, pressing toward that mark. Uh, as Paul, as Peter said, hoping to the end, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, continuing to look toward that finish line, run our race with vigilance and wisdom. 1 Peter 5, 8, Peter says, be sober-minded, keep your mind in control. Again, we've talked about having your mind under the control of God's word. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Be aware, know what's going on, because your adversary, the devil, prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Again, God, uh, Satan's plan is to stop God's work, to stop God from moving. And so he's trying to do everything he can. So he is looking for those that he can devour, that he can chew up, that he can consume, and that he can 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 can, can cause to, to get off of their path. Um, there are so many things that we could talk about this, but it just reminded us that we run our race with vigilance, that we be aware of what's going on around us, that we be aware of the schemes and the devices of the evil one, the things that he would use to get us off our path, to cause us to stumble, to cause us to not only stumble, but lead others astray uh, with, with that stumbling and with that uh, that going to false teachings and false desires. That's why, again, uh, it's so important that we, um, we as, as a ministry at Lifeline, that we, uh, as, in, as, as the body of Christ in our local churches, and that we as individuals, that we remain vigilant and that we stand steadfast and focused on the truth of God's word, and that we turn not to the right, to the left, but we stay continually walking the path that God has laid out in his word. We run with with vigilance, but we also run our race, race with wisdom. With wisdom, Paul said in Ephesians chapter five, verses fifteen and sixteen. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Be aware of the world around you. Look around. Check out the the, the circumstances. Check out the the terrain around you. 
Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time. Why? Because the days are evil. We are living in evil days. How much more evil are they today even than they were when Paul was describing this? But Paul is saying to be aware of the happenings around you. Don't just continue down the path of the unwise, but walk in wisdom. And ultimately that wisdom is with God's perspective, with God's viewpoint. See this world as God sees it. See clearly the the, the wisdom, with the wisdom that God has given us. See God's working the things that God wants to accomplish. So number one, we must recognize the realities of spiritual warfare. Number two, we must run our race with vigilance and with wisdom. And then number three, finally, we must rest in the realities of God's power and victorious sovereignty. We must rest in the realities of God's power and victorious sovereignty. As God's people, it is imperative that we remember that we are secure in Christ. Man, God, I just, there's so many verses we could look to and so much teaching that, that just talks about how the Holy Spirit keeps us and the Holy Spirit is our earnest and, and, and we are being kept for the promises that God has given us. Um, these things are written that we might know that we have eternal life. We are secure and ultimately we will persevere because not only what we do, not because we do good deeds, not because we work hard, but we will persevere because the Holy Spirit promised that he would take us to that place of completion. So we've got to rest in the realities of that. We've got to rest in the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's working within us. It's the same power that is keeping us secure in Christ. And so no matter what happens to this world, no matter what this man of lawlessness does, no matter where this world is, it continues to spin out of control, no matter where it leads, we as God's true people are secure and we will persevere through the grace of Almighty God. Christ will return. His sovereign plan, he will come back as the victorious sovereign king. He king, he will return and he will set all things right. He ultimately is victorious and we have nothing to fear. If we, if we have to go through the worst of the worst, if this world crumbles around us, if our very lives are taken, we as the people of God do not have to live in fear of the future. We do not have to live in fear of what happens to this world around us because we know that our eternal destiny is secure in Jesus Christ. Man, that ought to bring us peace today. Man, that ought to bring us this sense of trust and this sense of expectancy to where we look forward to these things and we cry out, Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus, set these things right. Man, the more wickedness we see in this world around us, the more our heart longs for the return of Christ, the more our heart longs for our eternal reward together with him. But as long as God is restraining, as long as he tarries his coming, May we recognize these realities of spiritual warfare. May we run our race with vigilance and with wisdom. And ultimately, may we rest in these realities of God's power and God's victorious sovereignty. God has a great plan for each and every one of us, and he is accomplishing his plan, and he will do what he says that he will do. And so let's keep going. Let's keep pressing forward and let's continue to be his witnesses in this place for his honor and for his glory. Will you join me in prayer? And we're going to pray specifically today for the country of Poland. Dearly Father God, we do love you and we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the wonderful promises of your word uh, that we are secure. Those who know you as Savior are secure in you. And Lord, we pray that 
we would be your witnesses and that we would help point others to the same peace and the same assurance of knowing that their eternity is secure in you. God, we thank you for the ministry of Lifeline. We pray that you would continue to keep us true to your word, that we would stay faithful uh, to the things that, that we uh, that we read, that we know, that we have, you have shown us, that we continue to walk in truth. And uh, Lord, we, we pray that you would guide and direct. Lord, we pray specifically today uh, for, for orphaned and vulnerable children in Poland. Uh, God, this is uh, a country where, um, where there are some, some difficulties in being able to adopt from this country, where they have some requirements. Um, and we pray, God, that you provide the right families, that you would raise up families that uh, of Polish descent that would be able to step into the lives of these waiting children to be able to provide uh, long-term security in a home, but ultimately uh, be able to point them to Jesus Christ and the hope that comes from a right relationship with him. Help them to, to know that they have a Heavenly Father that loves them. God, we pray specifically for the families that are currently in this program and some that are uh, just kind of waiting for some final permissions and approvals. We pray for those that are uh, finishing up their home study and that are looking and, and feel called to adopt from Poland. We pray you just help these families to, um, Lord, to, to make it through this process and to continue on to, to be faithful and, and true through it. Or we Again, we just pray you provide even more families. We pray that you would protect these children. We pray, Lord, that you would give uh, the government and other workers, Lord, wisdom and understanding around what is in the best needs of these children, Lord, and that they would, uh, again, make decisions that are that are in their, their best interest. Uh, God, I pray for our team at Lifeline that works with these issues, these families, these children. Um, I pray that you just would continue to strengthen them, give them wisdom, and even open up doors of recruitment and give understanding of what is necessary, what is needed, what, to, what should be done. Uh, in order to find more families for these children. We thank you for our partners uh, in Poland, Lord, that work at caring for these children as well. And uh, we pray that you just would work in a mighty way. Again, Lord, we thank you for the privilege and honor of being a part of your work. And uh, we pray that you will continue to uh, raise up your church or to manifest the gospel of vulnerable children and families in all places. And in this and all things, God, we will give you thanks and praise. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.